And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of Carson Sack Podcast where we talk balls. We have a jam-packed episode for you. We have NFL and college football discussions. We're going to touch on a little bit of the college basketball season getting started. But up first, we have the segment that is made possible by you, the listeners, and friends. We have the mail sack and it is a Thanksgiving-themed heavy influenced questions by the holiday coming up this Thursday. So let's get right into that. Let's open the mail sack here on Carson Sack and get to your questions. Our first question on this week's sack for the mail sack comes from Casey Fisher who asks, should the banger Bengals fire Zach Taylor? Also, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? I think the Bengals are going to give Zach Taylor one more year. I don't think you can hold this season against him, and you certainly can't hold last season against him. It is concerning that after, obviously, the Joe Burrow injury to the ACL this past weekend against the Washington football team, Zach Taylor's response sort of played down the injury, saying it's a part of the game, sort of things happen like this. That is true, but it... It didn't seem like a if there would be an injury to Joe Burrow. It sort of seemed like when because of how poorly the organization of the Bengals gave him a supporting cast, especially on the offensive line. This team, the defense is shitty. That's okay. That's understood. But the offensive line, this offense could be a top 15, top 10-ish offense in the NFL because they have Joe Burrow who has looked great so far up until this point of the injury. You have Joe Mixon, who obviously he's battling uh, injuries so far in the year, but when he's there, he's a top 10 running back. You have a great receiving core, albeit A.J. Green on the back end of his career, but two great young receivers and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. So you can't put all of the offensive line um, ineptitude on to Zach Taylor. It does go up the food chain here a little bit the front office has to be able to go out and sign um competent veterans or players at the offensive line that are going to be able to come in and be a bit more serviceable than what the Bengals offensive line has been I think you give I think the Bengals will give Zach Taylor at least one more year with a hopefully retooled offensive line uh for Joe Burrow next year and then a healthier Joe Burrow coming off his ACL injury and a surgery. I think he has one more grace period year. If things are trending in the same direction around week six or seven of next year, then I think the Zach Taylor uh, seat becomes a little bit hotter and you could see the Bengals go and look for a new head coach. To address the second part of your question, Casey, what is my favorite Thanksgiving food? It's pecan pie. And 
It infuriates me that pecan pie, pecan pecan, first off, say it however you want. It doesn't matter. Everybody knows what you're talking about. But it infuriates me that pecan pie is really only eaten one to two times a year. Obviously, it'll more than likely show up at your Thanksgiving meal. If you're feeling froggy and a little crazy, it might show up at your Christmas meal as well. It It's a... Top tier elite dessert, right up there with any other desserts that you want to say are up there. It's up there for me, and I, I get mad at myself. I get into this, like, this mood to always have pecan pie after the holidays, and I always I tell myself, oh, this is the year we're gonna go just buy a pie a week and let's just see how it works, and we'll eat it throughout the week. And I never do. Maybe this is the year I follow through with that, but I I don't know. But pecan pie, I think, is my favorite uh, Thanksgiving food, all in all. The next question comes from Eli George, who asks, Is starting Taysom Hill at tight end a scum move? Eli, if I was playing Ryan this week and he got to start Taysom Hill at tight end instead of quarterback, it would be a scum move. But seeding for our fantasy football playoffs are important. Ryan beat you. I don't know if we will be playing or not. You have a good team, Eli. Um, it's a scum move if you're playing the person. It's uh, it's not Commissioner Crumb's fault. It's not Ryan's fault. It's ESPN's. Uh, you said you were going to get a hold, write a letter, get a hold of the ESPN brass that are in charge of this. Apparently you did because Taysom Hill is no longer available to be played at tight end. Only quarterback in the ESPN league. So I'm glad you reached out and were able to change their minds scum move if you're playing against them if not it sucks but that's just what espn was allowed to happen our next question comes from bailey layman who asks opinion of chase claypool 10 touchdowns in 10 games however you want to draw that up space him out obviously he had the one game where he had three touchdowns um and he's been doing it a multitude of ways scoring running the ball a little bit great receiver i think he is the vocal point for this receiving core going forward juju is a great number two guy deontay johnson chase claypool those three guys right there um should have pittsburgh fans excited for years to come chase claypool has only, I think, exceeded the expectations that the Steelers had for him when they took him in the second round out of Notre Dame, and I think he can only get better. So, excite a lot of good reasons to be excited for Chase Claypool and the rest of that receiving core in Pittsburgh. The next question comes from Kyle Gregory, who asks, Are the Cowboys back? No, Kyle, the Cowboys are not back. What we saw on Sunday as they beat the Vikings is you beat... A Kirk Cousins-led team that was marauding as a good or decent team, but then the real Kirk Cousins showed up. Obviously, the defense was able to slow down Dalvin Cook enough uh, to make Kirk Cousins win the game, and obviously when you're asking Kirk Cousins to do that, uh, it doesn't really go well. Can the Cowboys make a bit of a run? I, if Andy Dalton can come back and play as well as he did this past week, um, there is a little reason to have hope, but... The defense is what's going to do the Cowboys in. I don't think they can have consistent performances like they did against the Vikings week in and week out. So no, the Cowboys are not back. The next question comes from Patrick Fulton who asks, How are you? Pat, I appreciate you checking up on me. Um, I'm alright. Things could be better, things could be worse. Just happy to be here, honestly. Um, 
So, hey, I hope you're doing well, Pat. Have a uh, happy Thanksgiving with your friends and family as well. Our next set of questions comes from Kennedy Poston and Maeve Armstrong, who ask almost darn near the same question. Kennedy asks, best Thanksgiving side dish, and Maeve asks, what's your favorite Thanksgiving side? Without a doubt, the best side for Thanksgiving is mashed potatoes. It is the Honda Accord of side dishes. You are never going to have a bad mashed potato. You might have mashed potatoes that are more enjoyable. You might have mashed potatoes that are a little bit lumpier, a little bit smoother, a little bit more to your liking, but you are always going to get from point A to point B safely, just like you do a Honda Accord. I dare you to try and find someone that doesn't have mashed potatoes right up there with their top Thanksgiving foods. If they do, they're a liar. And second off, you cannot trust them. And three, they are no friend of mine. Our next question, we got two for here from Donnie Hyman who asked, top three Thanksgiving foods. My top three, mashed potatoes, pecan pies, and the rolls. The rolls can get a little dicey because... Occasionally, somebody will get a little too fancy and fuck them up. And I mean, it, you can't really fuck up bread. But there are some rolls that I prefer to others. Um, the Hawaiian rolls, you obviously cannot go wrong. The multi-grain wheat rolls, they're actually pretty good. I enjoy those. Again, I offer this piece, this little tidbit of advice, every year that the, the uh, Thanksgiving sack comes up. But... Grab two rolls this time through um, on your first trip through the line. People might look at you and be like, oh, there's two rolls guy. What, What's he doing? Follow me here. Take one of the rolls and dip it in the mashed potatoes. I think the mashed potatoes along with the roll, it's just chef's kiss delicious. Obviously, I spoke about my love for pecan pie earlier and then... Obviously, mashed potatoes right up there as the best side. The next question we have from Donnie Hyman who asks, white meat or dark meat or ham? I'll be honest with you. If I have to choose between white meat or dark meat, I go dark meat. I just think it's a little bit more moist. I enjoy the moist taste rather than the bit of dried out white meat. But ultimately, I am a ham over turkey guy. So I would prefer a ham. Obviously, Thanksgiving, it's Turkey Day. People really like to push that home. I and I could Thanksgiving, obviously associated with turkey. We get that. What I think is the most overrated is the leftover, the day old, the two day old turkey that sits in the Tupperware containers, keeps just losing moisture and gets drier and drier in the refrigerator in those containers. You can fucking keep that. I don't care. Give me the sides as leftovers and food to eat the next day and the day after that i do not like turkey all that much and again i suck it up one time a year to have the experience of a thanksgiving but if your family is one of those families that does do a turkey and a ham which i've heard that that move's been gaining a little bit of traction these last couple years among the households that of of my friends if that is a play that your family does hats off to you because um that is that is respecting time-honored traditions going all the way back to the pilgrims and the indians if i'm allowed to say that word if not please don't come for me cancel culture but it is also embracing the new school the new wave of having ham on thanksgiving day 
The next question comes from Trent Revelette, who asks, what percentage of a standard-sized turkey do you think you could consume? So, Trent, upon research, I have found that if you are going to serve turkey on Thanksgiving, duh, you need to figure one to one and a half pounds per person. So if you're serving 10 people on Thanksgiving, you need a bird that is about 15 to 20 pounds. If, okay, so 15 to 20 pounds, I think I could probably eat six to eight pounds of the turkey. I, if you told me I have all day to do it, which I think that's okay because families, again, I don't get this fucking tradition. It's not even a tradition, but I don't get this thinking at all. But Thanksgiving is one of the meals that we often eat at one of the most obscure times, really, any day. Lunch, obviously, you're thinking 12, 1 o'clock. Dinner, I think you can get away with, with some people at maybe 5, 6. My family, dinner normally is around 7 or 7.30. And we always, I think people find themselves eating their Thanksgiving meal at like 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Just an, a terrible time because it's late for di- late for lunch, way too early for dinner. You're in that awkward time zone for the uh, so the NFL game that's at night, and you're like, ooh, I could eat again, but I don't know if I want another full meal. It's just terrible. So if you're telling me I have that full day, and I can start at the 2 o'clock, and I'll probably end around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock if I'm picking and eating again, I think I could get 6 to 8 pounds of a standard turkey. Um, and that's pushing myself because Turkey, as you have heard, Trent, Turkey and I just do not get along that well. Our next set of questions come from Rebecca Thieneman, who says, What's your fave Thanksgiving food? Rebecca, we've gone over this pecan pie, mashed potatoes, rolls. Then she asks, What are you doing this year for Thanksgiving? At the time of recording this, I have absolutely no idea. Usually we go to Ohio, but because of work, I will not be able to do that. Might go to the casino with my dad. Might get takeout from LCC. They apparently have a lovely Thanksgiving menu, so it really just all depends. And then her third question is, any tips for people having to stay home because of COVID virtually, virtual family games? I imagine you could do uh, left, right, center over the Zoom or Skype or whatever you're doing. Any tips? Embrace it. Maybe you don't have to spend as much time with that uncle you don't really like. Uh, maybe you don't have to spend as much time with that family member you don't like. Um, just embrace the weirdness that is 2020 right now with all this COVID and all the changes that are going to happen. Embrace it. I don't know how you can really make the best out of the situation. Find little positives in it and run with it because with the protocols that are being put in place it doesn't seem like a lot of people are going to be able to have a normal thanksgiving so find the little positives in the situation and make the best out of it the next question we have two for as well comes from michael bennett who asks will justin thomas win a masters before he retires buck absolutely 
If you look at it, he was in contention this year before a poor weekend. He's improved his Masters finish each year that he has played. He finished fourth, I believe, this year. So really, he it's a matter of time. If he continues that trend where he improves his finish every year at the Masters in at least three more years, he'll win a, 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 a Masters. So it's going to happen sooner or later. He likes the course. He plays well enough there to win occasionally. Um, so yes. The next question comes from Mike Bennett who asks, what's your favorite holiday? Thanksgiving, I think, is kind of overrated. It's just a meal. Um, obviously, you have the sentimental and the other things that go into Thanksgiving of how you're supposed to be thankful. It's time with friends and family. I get that. I enjoy it. But really, it's just a big meal. When it, when things boil down to it, you're just eating. Christmas, obviously, you have the same basic principles of Thanksgiving. You're thankful. You're giving. You're spending time with family. You get gifts. That's pretty high up there. I think the day that get you get the most out of the 4th of July because most of the time it turns into a weekend thing. You're at the lake. You're at the pool. You're with friends. You're with family. Uh, you have a few occasional big meals. Obviously, you're eating burgers and hot dogs throughout that entire week, and then maybe you bust out burgers, hot dogs, some barbecue, things like that. The sides there, macaroni and cheese, uh, corn on the cob, just some fresh fruit maybe. it mm, We're getting there. I think the 4th of July, because you get the most out of that, because it turns from a one-day thing like a Thanksgiving or Christmas is, and guess Christmas you can extend to... Christmas Eve, get a two for there, but I think the uh, the ability that the 4th of July has to turn into an all-weekend thing, and the setting with the lake, the pool around the water, normally typically good weather, friends, family, drinks galore, 4th of July. I know you didn't ask this, but the worst holiday, hands down, has to be New Year's Eve. The importance that is put on that holiday and the expectations that are built into that holiday and what actually normally happen on that holiday are just so far disconnected. It is always a letdown. It's not that important. New Year's Eve is the worst. Um, also, Trent asked a follow-up question here, and it's it makes you think. Trent asks, do you think that artificial intelligence will eventually surpass the need for humans and try to take over the world? No, I don't. And I think, I don't think we are able to develop right now in this point or our, even our lifetime uh, artificial intelligence that is going to be able to be self-sustaining without humans. And I think if there was ever a person that was smart enough to do that to where it was capable for robots or artificial intelligence to function in a society without humans, I would like to think that human would maybe design one or two and not design enough to where they could just get rid of all humans and make us obsolete and we are done. But you never know. Some people just like to watch the world burn. 
Next question comes from Emma Sear. Are you more of a ham or turkey guy? Why so? Ham, as I explained earlier in a Donnie Hyman question, but ham. It's just all around better. It's moister. I worked at Honey Baked Ham for like three weeks, saw how the process was done. The taste, the flavor, the moistness, the versatility that you can do with ham. You make ham salad. Have you, I mean, I don't eat ham salad, but you can make it. So, ham all day, Emma. Uh, the next question comes from TJ Vonderheide, who asks, Why is nobody the mascot the turkeys? I think the closest thing you have is the Virginia Tech Hokies. Um, they, the Hokies and the turkey probably share the same family, but not the same genius, I believe, in the, uh, in the breakdown, the biological breakdown. I just think because it's not really intimidating. I you think you get away with it with the Hokies because you have the call, but obviously the turkeys have their turkey call. Uh, it just doesn't strike a lot of fear in opponents. Could you imagine? Oh, Kentucky's got a game against the turkeys this week. It just it doesn't work. Um, a bunch of teams um, with problematic mascots. Obviously, we saw Old Miss with the Rebels. They're uh, Going through some rebranding, Washington football team going through some rebranding. The Cleveland Indians could be looking for a new mascot. Could it be the Turkeys? It it's either going to happen or it's not going to happen. And I'm leaning on the not going to happen side. So our next question comes from Stephanie McLean who asks, "Fuck Mary Kill, green bean casserole stuffing and mashed potatoes." Stephanie, you have made this quite incredibly easy for me. We are marrying. The mashed potatoes. We are fucking the stuffing and we are killing green bean casserole. I find green beans to be extremely elementary. I think they are not good. I don't think if you put them in a casserole form, do they become good. Uh, Green beans are just, you can have them. If I were to never eat another green bean a day in my life, I would not care. If green beans became obsolete and not I never saw another one. I would not care. And obviously, I've expressed my feelings uh, with mashed potatoes. Stuffing. Stuffing's good. I It gets a lot of hype around the holiday times. I was like, oh, it's like pecan pie. Oh, why don't we eat this more? Why don't we eat this throughout the year? Sure, if you want. If it's on my plate at a meal or something, I'll eat it. I'll always grab a little bit of it through the line. On holidays, and if that was the case, if it was an option at like a buffet style type thing, or if I was at a dinner and the family was serving it, I'd eat it. But I'm not going out of my way to ever really say, "Hey, I really want stuffing in the middle of April." I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna go out of my way and do it. Um, to piggyback to piggyback off the green bean casserole, uh, take. The most elite casserole is corn casserole. You obviously might call it something different in your family. We called it corn casserole in my family. Uh, Absolutely love it. Would eat that practically at least once a week if I could. Our next question comes from Emily Casey, who asks, pumpkin or pecan pie? Emily, it's hands down pecan pie. Pumpkin pie is disgusting. Um, The... Texture of pumpkin pie is just gross. I don't like pumpkin pie taste whatsoever. You combine those two things. Uh, I'm skipping pumpkin pie altogether. Our next question comes from Charles Walker who asks, Most underrated item on the Thanksgiving buffet and why? This 
to me, I think it has to probably be the sweet potato casserole. Again, you might get overloaded on starch, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, but I think a good sweet potato, first off, sweet potatoes you can do a lot with. Obviously, you have the regular sweet potato that you can just eat. Sweet potato fries are a wonderful change of pace whether you're at a restaurant or you're at home some restaurants charge a little upcharge for them it's worth it treat yourself you deserve it you've had a long week you might as well but the sweet potato casserole for me is the most underrated i love the taste i love the versatility occasionally sometimes people will sprinkle in a little bit of mixed up pecan so you have the sweet the uh nice texture uh balance of the smooth uh whatever you want to call it, smoothness of the sweet potatoes mixed in with the little crunch from the pecans that sometimes get mixed in. So that's where I'm going with the most underrated. Our next two and last two questions on the mail sack this week come from Polly Marino who asked, how am I doing in my first fantasy team? It's not your first fantasy team. Uh, You make a new one every week. You beat me, I think, one or two weeks in a row. Uh, because you began to just max to choose the most maxed out players and your team suffered because of that because you would get like I think there's eight players and you would get five of the best players and then three of the worst and then I adopted that strategy and my I began to pick the better best players and I've beat you two weeks in a row um I think you're searching for answers in all the wrong places I think if you were to come back to the more balanced team things would be a little bit better and more competitive for both of us but you probably won't do that so whatever um and then her next question is i dm justin herbert about twice a week do you think he sees these when will he respond what would you dm justin if you were a girl to get his attention um do you think he sees these he probably has seen one of them if you dm him every week he's probably seen it i don't know if he's opened it i think with the feature where it says seen or sent on instagram you might have been able to tell if he's opened it um when will he respond probably i think if i don't even know justin herbert's relationship status but if he's single you have a better chance of him replying in the off season than you do of him replying in the middle of a season. And then what would you DM Justin if I were a girl to get his attention? Uh, probably a nude. I don't know. I A funny joke about his last game or like some stats from his last game. Or like maybe he probably won't listen to you. But maybe like a tip for improvement. That if you Polly were to send him something you'd probably bother me and ask hey what's something justin could work on that i could tell him in an instagram message um just something you could annoy me with and ask me for so please don't do that but uh those would be how i would get justin herbert's attention i wish you uh nothing but the best in being a cleat chaser and a uh hopefully a future nfl wife that is going to do it for the mail sack for this week's episode of carson sack Thank you again to all the friends and listeners 
for sending in your questions. You all blew me away with how many questions you sent in this week. Thank you very, very much. It means a lot to me, and it helps me out a ton because, as I always like to point out, without you sending in questions, that segment is absolutely pointless, and I can't do it. So thank you all very much. Let's shift focus a little bit and talk about some college football. So we get things started for week 13 in the college football season on Friday, November 27th, my birthday as well, uh, with a packed slate of games. Uh, the most intriguing one, there's two really, but I think the the better game is going to be the noon game between Iowa State and Texas. Iowa State and Brock Purdy on the year, 13 touchdowns to 6 interceptions, uh, going up against Sam Ellinger and the Longhorns from Texas. Ellinger, 22 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, and then adds 7 touchdowns on the year on the ground. I I just feel like this is a game where Texas can win and will win. Um Iowa State has been playing pretty well the last couple of weeks. We go and look at their schedule. Uh, Last week, they just beat a talented, maybe not a complete team, but they have talent at some positions. Kansas State team, 45-0. They beat a tough Baylor team, 38-31 the week before that. Um, Their only two losses coming to Oklahoma State and... um, Louisiana the first week of the year I just think it's Texas's time to win this game um coming off a tough fought victory two weeks ago against Virginia West Virginia uh going to Oklahoma State getting a big win there beating again a tough Baylor team so uh, okay cool hook them I'll take them for the win and then the game that I think that's going to get the most attention for this week and this especially this Friday day of games. You have Notre Dame going to North Carolina. Hopefully this game can still be played. Notre Dame without two starting offensive linemen. I don't know if North Carolina, their front seven is strong enough to take advantage of that, um, of those two injuries for Notre Dame. So I'm going to go with Notre Dame and Ian Book and that Russian attack to go to North Carolina and get the victory. Let's see. We move to Saturday now. Ohio State goes to Illinois. Illinois scares me a little bit. Um, They just beat uh, Nebraska. Obviously, Nebraska isn't anything great. Uh, But you look at teams that Illinois has faced that are um, better have better records and are just better teams. They lost to Wisconsin 45 to 7. They lose to Minnesota 41 to 14. I'm not putting the Buckeyes on upset watch, but uh just be cautious is all I'm saying. We don't need another Purdue situation. Uh Kentucky goes to Florida. Kyle Pitts is back. Thank God. Florida was really struggling without him. Um, I say that as sarcastically as possible. Uh, this could be over quickly. It certainly is going to be like the 63-3 to thrashing that the Wildcats got last week at the hands of Alabama, but uh, I don't expect it to be super close. Uh, another, I think this game is going to be one of the better of the weekend. Maryland and Indiana. Indiana coming off a impressive showing in their game against Ohio State last week. Maryland coming off the two-week uh, hiatus 
of the football program because of COVID. Uh, I expect a lot of points in this one. Two good quarterbacks and Penix and Tua's brother. So uh, keep your eye on that one. And Penn State and Michigan, two teams that are just dog shit. Um, I'll take Penn State. I think it is a about time they get their first win of the year and Michigan's secondary is ripe um, and Penn State does a pretty decent job of throwing the ball. Then we have Minnesota and Wisconsin. Wisconsin coming off of the loss last week to Northwestern. Did not really expect that one. I thought Wisconsin was definitely the better team. Um, Rivalry game, anything can happen. Throw the records out the window. Any other cliche you want to think of for this game, but ultimately, I'm going to go with Wisconsin over Minnesota. Pittsburgh goes to Clemson. Clemson frustrated after last week, going all the way down to Tallahassee to play Florida State, and then the day of the game, Florida State canceling. Um, not going to get into the COVID and the yes and no's and should they have played, should they not have played. It's all your personal preference, but I think they come out and they hand Pittsburgh a pretty lopsided loss because they're pissed off from this last week. Cincinnati plays Temple. Temple's 1-6. Cincinnati should get that victory pretty easily. Louisville plays Boston College. BC is a one-point favorite. I'll go with Louisville in that one. Texas A&M hosts LSU. Texas A&M and Kyle Mond, I am still not sold on them whatsoever, but LSU secondary is gettable. Uh, Mond has looked decent this year, 16 touchdowns and two interceptions, and the running back for Texas A&M, Spiller, um, five touchdowns on the year, not finding the end zone as much, but has had a very good season um, helping keep that offense balanced for the Aggies. So I take Texas A&M over LSU because Texas A&M is allowing some fans there and Kyle Allen, uh, Kyle Field, excuse me, I said Kyle Allen. Kyle Field for Texas A&M, even with a limited capacity, is one of the better home environments for a team. Oklahoma goes to West Virginia. That'll be a closer game than what people expect because West Virginia's defense is pretty good. They will not be able to score with Oklahoma, though, so I take Oklahoma. And then... That's... That's it. Um, College football... That, yeah, that does it. I was going to talk about Georgia and South Carolina. I can. I think JT Daniels looked pretty good in his first appearance for the... uh, Bulldogs last week, South Carolina looking abysmal, South Carolina coming off the upset last year of Georgia, I don't think it happens again, I think Georgia goes down to South Carolina and gets the victory. So that is going to do it for the college football talk this week on the sack. We now shift our focus from college football to NFL. We have a slate of games for Thursday, Thanksgiving, starting with the noon game. The Texans going to the Lions. The time-honored traditions of watching the first half of the Lions game right before the lunch, whatever, the meal is served on Thanksgiving. uh, Runs deep in the Karras household. So, it's... It seems wrong to not pick the Lions on Thanksgiving, 
but I think the Texans are going to be able to go to Detroit and get the victory on Thursday to start that day of NFL action. The afternoon game, the Washington football team going to the Cowboys. I'm going to go with the Washington football team in this one. I think their front seven... The D-line is going to cause a lot of issues for the run game for Dallas and cause a lot of issues for Andy Dalton. And Alex Smith has been playing decent enough these last two weeks to get victories uh, in the NFL. So I go with the Washington football team. And then the Thursday night game, I've been saying it for a couple weeks now, and I'm going to stand by it. It's the Ravens and the Steelers. The Ravens are going to beat the Steelers. Right now, it's four and a half the spread for Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know if the line is going to change all that much given the news of Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins being out. But if it does, if you want to wait and hopefully get it up to maybe five and a half, six, wait see if you can get it. But uh, M-line, the Ravens. Uh, just seen it too many times where the opposing team in this rivalry goes into the other team's uh, home stadium gets the win, and then it is reversed in the second game. And I just think that's what is going to happen here. I know the Raiders are on a bit of a downward slide, um, barely beating the Colts and then losing last week. Uh, but I just don't uh, envision a world where the Steelers uh, make it to 11-0. So I take the Ravens. And then on Sunday we have the Browns and the Jaguars. Miles Garrett's going to miss this game as well. It'll be interesting to see who gets the start for the Jaguars, if it's going to be Lutton or Minshew. Both guys are... Lutton has played better than expected. Minshew, when he came in, better than expected. Um, When he uh, first started, the Browns are winning ugly. It would be nice to see that offense be a little bit more complete, score a little bit more points. Um, the Jaguars can throw the ball all over the field. It'll be interesting to see how the secondary for the Browns does um, against a offense that they don't have a superstar. They have a lot of pretty decent players at receiver. So it'll be interesting to see how the Browns secondary does against that. But I do think the Browns with the run game of Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt and hopefully we can get a touchdown pass or two from Baker Mayfield here and the offense can look to click a little bit better and the Browns get the victory. Next, we have the Raiders and the Falcons. I am going to go with the Raiders in this one coming off their defeat at the hands of the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Derek Carr looked extremely good. The run game with Josh Jacobs is going to come um, and be there consistently. They've spread the ball all around to a multitude of different receivers. Darren Waller has been the most consistent, but Aguilar has been the most explosive. Um, Renfro is always there as well. Um, the front seven for the Falcons is pretty decent, pretty good. Um, I don't think they get enough respect as they deserve. If they can stifle the run game a little bit, the game can be closer than people expect in the first half, but I ultimately think the Raiders do win. The next game, we have the Chargers and the Bills. I believe the Chargers are going to be getting back Austin Eckler. That is huge for their team and Justin Herbert um, to provide some help in the run game provide another pass catching running back so Herbert doesn't feel the need to force the ball downfield he can take the check down I am going to go with the Bills though in this one I just think their defense is a little too good and Josh Allen is going to put up enough points with that offense to beat the Chargers the next game we have the Giants and the Bengals the Bengals are going to be without Joe Burrow obviously because of the ACL injury 
The Giants defense is feisty. They are pretty good. They play hard for Joe Judge. Uh, I think they are going to cause enough problems for Ryan Finley or whoever the Bengals might start at quarterback. Um, you look at some stats from last year when Ryan Finley did come in for the Bengals receivers. Their uh, stats did regress a little bit. I can see that happening again, and especially without Joe Mixon um, asking Giovanni Bernard to be a guy that is going to not single-handedly win the game, but impact the game enough on the ground. Um, I don't think he is capable of doing that, so I'm going to take the Giants over the Bengals. And I don't think the Bengals are good enough to capitalize on all the um, mistakes that Daniel Jones might make being turnover-prone, so I take the Giants. Next, we have a big AFC South matchup between the Titans and the Colts. I'm still not sold on the Colts. Phillip Rivers is still washed up to me. I understand he goes and they beat the Packers last week. Are the Packers really that good? We don't even know that. They could be a 10-6 team, 9-7 team marauding as a 7-3 team right now. I just... I'm not sold on them completely. Um, again, so that I'm certainly not sold on the Colts. The Titans get a big win last week against the Ravens. I'm going to go with the Titans over the Colts. Then we have the Panthers and the Vikings. This game does absolutely nothing for me. If the Panthers are without Teddy Bridgewater, I will take the Vikings to rebound. If the Panthers do have Teddy Bridgewater, I still think I take the Vikings because Dalvin Cook has been playing extremely well the last couple weeks um, for the Vikings. Then we have the Cardinals and the Patriots. I think this game could be a lot like the Patriots and the Seahawks from Week 2. I think it could be high scoring. I think the Patriots will let Cam throw the ball. And if maybe if he can complete enough passes and not force the ball downfield and into tight windows and can have a solid game, I think the Patriots have a decent chance to upset the Cardinals. But I think with how the Cardinals have been playing, um, getting Kenyon Drake back and become a little bit more balanced and... Uh, just the style they're playing. Kyler has looked great. DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, two weeks ago has that Hail Mary catch that sets social media ablaze. I take the Cardinals over the Patriots. Then we have the Dolphins and the Jets. Come on, it's the Dolphins and the Jets. I will take the Dolphins because the Jets are terrible. Then we have the Saints and the Broncos. Uh, Week 2 of the Taysom Hill experiment, I think the Broncos' defense is susceptible and doesn't have enough film, really, on what Sean Payton is going to be doing with Taysom Hill. I think Taysom will be... Well, he'll have a good game, maybe a little bit more subdued, maybe lean on the run a little bit, but he'll make enough plays in the big moments for the Saints to get the victory. Then we have the 49ers and the Rams. The Rams coming off an impressive victory on Monday Night Football against the Buccaneers. Jared Goff looked real good. Couple interceptions, but you can live with that if he is winning games for you. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods both with 10 catches, over 10 catches and 100 yards for both of them. Um, Extremely impressive what they've done. How McVay has gotten those guys involved. If they can find a run game between the three backs that they have, um... That defense for the Rams is extremely good. I like them a lot, so I'll take the Rams over the 49ers, who Mullins a quarterback, Beathard a quarterback, eh, 
Um, the receiving core is lacking. Um, Ayuk has looked good. If they can get Debo Samuel back in time, apparently Moster and Coleman are going to be available. So the offense is going to look a little bit more complete, but I ultimately will take the Rams over the 49ers. The Chiefs and the Buccaneers, they play. Um, I expect a shootout. I expect Brady to have maybe his best game as a Buccaneer, but I do take the Chiefs just because I think it's so hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense. Um, Watching that game Sunday night against the Raiders, even when the Raiders scored and they took that lead and Mahomes had a minute and a half left, you just knew, like, okay, he's at worst they're going to get a field goal. Um the way they run a two-minute offense at the end of halves and at the end of games, it's uh, it's a beauty to watch. And uh, we should all feel very privileged that we get to watch Patrick Mahomes play quarterback in the NFL because uh, he's just right up there. Right now he's on pace to be just one of the better quarterbacks of all time. And I understand that's with only one Super Bowl. But the way he is playing, how he is really defenses are just at his mercy really like hey even if you throw two touchdowns and 300 yards like that's considered a bad game for Petrum Holmes and for some quarterbacks that's a great day so ultimately again I take the Chiefs over the Buccaneers the Bears and the Packers I think the Packers rebound with a win here. I think Aaron Jones has a big game on the ground and catching the ball as well. And then the Monday night game, the Seahawks and the Eagles. Because it's a bird matchup, um, it'll probably be weird. The Seahawks are incapable of playing in normal games. Um, expect it to be closer than what people expect, but I think the Seahawks, if they get Chris Carson back, that offense gets a little bit more well-rounded. Russ doesn't have to cook and potentially burn the food that he has uh, done a little bit in the past recent weeks. So I will take the Seahawks over the Eagles. That is going to do it for NFL talk on this week's sack. As I mentioned at the start, I wanted to talk a little bit about college basketball. I'm going to get more into it as the season progresses. What I want to talk about now, I guess a little bit, uh, is I think this season of college basketball is going to be an absolute disaster. Um, There's going to be some good that comes from it. I think... With college football, it's going to look a lot like that where games are canceled and postponed. Um, I think it's going to be done a lot more regularly with the cancellation and postponement because of the more you're playing on a more regular basis with college basketball. You're playing at least one to two times a week as opposed to once a week with college football. Um, I think what the NCAA has done, obviously the tournament possibly being hosted in one city, that's a great step in the right direction. Um, I do not know how well this season is going to go with no bubbles in place for the regular season and teams traveling and the issues that COVID can possibly force. And if there is that vaccine that's out there, great. Hopefully that can help, uh, mitigate a smoother process for this college basketball season, but I am a bit concerned with how smoothly everything is going to go for the college basketball season. Um, A preview, I guess, of some sorts. Excited to see how UK, um, how the roster turnover and the transfers fare in Lexington. Um, 
Chris Beard and Texas Tech are going to be extremely good in the Big 12. They might not win it, but they are going to be extremely good come March. Look for them. Villanova, Jay Wright, love his squad that he has up there. Scotty Barnes and Florida State are an extremely dark horse. Not an extremely dark horse, excuse me. I'm extremely high on him as a player, and I'm extremely high on what Florida State basketball has become. I think they have a great chance to not only win the ACC like they did last year, but be a national title contender all year long. Um, It's going to be hard to go unscathed in the ACC because they have such good teams like Duke, Virginia, Virginia. Uh, North Carolina is due for a rebound year. I'm also high on them. Um, But I love what Florida State has put together um, and the style of basketball they play. I think the Big Ten is going to be one of the most competitive, if not the most competitive, conferences. Uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Michigan State, and that's like the top tier. I really like Illinois. I like what they have in their uh, point guard Probably the best two-way player um, can go and get you 25 points or can go and stop the other team's best player from scoring 25 points on any given night. Um, I like Florida State. I like Illinois a lot. I like Texas Tech a lot. And then that fourth team in the Final Four, if you want to call this like a little prediction for the Final Four, um, Gonzaga, I think they are poised to have a great year under Mark View. Um a lot of talent there. Some more high-profile recruits have started to come in. Really, it's been when they have had guys be successful there. It's under the radar guys that few gets and coaches up and they buy into his system. Um, it's still a little bit more in that vein this year for the for Gonzaga, but they are starting to get a little bit more talented, higher-rated recruits. I think that's going to pay dividends. Um, they've got a lot of good early-season non-conference games. They're supposed to be playing Baylor, but I believe, I don't know if that game's happening for certain or not, Um, but I guess if right now we're given an early season Final Four, Illinois, Florida State, Texas Tech, and Gonzaga would be that. Um, As I said, I will probably do what I did last year, do a week-by-week preview prediction for the top games each week, talk a little bit about the previous week's games, and... Bear with me here because I do record on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and if a game is canceled that is supposed to be happening on Saturday and I'm recording on a Tuesday then I obviously there's nothing I can do about that. It's going to be a interesting college basketball season. It's surely going to be exciting but um, just hoping we get at least the semblance of a college basketball season with all that could possibly go wrong. So that is going to do it for episode 78 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. As always, thank you for listening. Like, rate, review, subscribe, all of that good shout on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you may get your podcast from. It's the holidays. It's Thanksgiving. Enjoy the time with family and friends. Be thankful. Be grateful for that after all that 2020 has thrown at us. Um, it The ends, it's going to come sooner or later. Um, 2020 obviously is going to end December 31st. Will the effects of it continue to linger on? Who knows? But... Take this time, if you do get to be around your family and your friends, and even if you get to just virtually see them, um, enjoy that time. Spend it with them. 
Show them this podcast. Get them involved. I'm sure someone in the family would like it. Um, thank you all. I'm extremely thankful for the friends, the family, the listeners, everything that supports this podcast. So thank you once again. And as we always end here on the sack, we will be seen. Man, world made me crazy. Might just turn around to 180. I ain't politic and I ain't kissing no baby. The devil on my doorstep being so shady. Mm, don't trip. We don't gotta let him in. Don't trip. Hey, yeah. I let it go, but I never go with it. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, cool as fall weather. Fuck the bullshit. I'm here to make it all better with a little music for you. I don't do enough for you without you. It's the color blue. Oh, don't trip. I was in the city. They was talking that shit.